appreciate everybody coming back out tonight and Seth had asked me to to preach tonight and um uh, told him I was gonna be on vacation all week that he should find another night to ask me. No, I didn't say that, but I said, I said yes, I'll preach and uh always an honor and a, a joy to be able to preach and uh, it's more like a a devotion slash teaching type of lesson, not a not a long message, not a not an in-depth message, but something, something God laid on my heart. Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight is where we're going to be. We'll talk about two different, two different main topics tonight that uh, I think go hand in hand with each other. Matthew chapter eight. And if you remember when I preached a couple Sunday nights ago, I, li- I like titling my sermons with a question. And I preached a couple Sunday nights ago, and I titled my message. Has Satan considered you? So tonight I've titled my message, Is Jesus Marveled by Your Faith? Is Jesus Marveled by Your Faith? Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read two different stories, but we're just going to read the first four verses. Uh, if you don't mind to stand for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> it says, When he was come down from the mountains, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his lepers was cleansed. And verse 4, And Jesus said unto him, See thou, tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you, and I just pray that you will be with us over the next few short minutes, that as we dive into your word, Lord, that we could just uh, see your see your power, see your love, see your faithfulness to us, Lord. And we just uh, love you and thank you, and we just give you this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so we see here first a, a leper coming, coming to Jesus, and uh, leprosy is used in the Bible to depict sin, and uh, it often goes hand in hand with somebody's sin if you have leprosy. And uh, the disease begins as kind of, you know, little little boils, little sores on your skin, and, and over time, if, if it's not healed, it just eventually just it spreads from, from head to toe and all over your body, and victims from this disease just eventually just die and from its complications it's just there's no other way around it you just simply truth you just die from it and uh, so we'll talk about leprosy slash sin a little bit and in James 1 15 you don't have to turn there but he tells us that then when lust has conceived it brings forth sin and sin when it is finished brings forth death and we all know Romans three twenty three says for the wages of sin is death and I believe that just as this man's body was plagued with leprosy that the church can also be plagued with sin, and uh, that that is very true, and, and it can bring forth death to a to a church, bring forth death to our fellowship with one another. It can bring forth death with our unity with each other. It can bring forth death to joy that we have in our fellowship with one another, and it can bring forth death to what our responsibility as a church and as Christian is, and, and that's to to reach the world and be an influence on the world. So. Uh, the first four verses I want to talk about, Matthew chapter 8, is uh, my point number one is he had to admit he had it. The man with leprosy had to admit that he had it. There was, no, there was no way around. He could sit there all day 
and pour rags and medicine, ointment, whatever, all over his skin and his boils. And he could have said, this is just a skin rash, but it wasn't. And more than likely, if he would have approached it that way, Jesus would have just kept on passing and, and the healing would have never happened. But he admitted that he had leprosy and that he needed Jesus to cleanse him. There's no way to get rid of something if you don't admit you have it. Think about that. There's no way to get rid of something if you don't admit you have it. And, and I hope that makes sense because uh, the next question I have is whatever happened to good old-fashioned sin? Now, that sounds like an odd question to ask, what all happened to good-fashioned sin? But it's the problem is we don't want to call it sin. We don't want to admit that we're sinners and that we fall short of God's glory. And back in the, what they say, the good old days, it was just straight up sin. And it's still a sin today. And so that's my question, what happened to the good old sin? And um, just admitting we're sinners. Gossiping is still a sin today like it was back then. Lying is still a sin just like it was. Murder is still a sin. Allowing unclean thoughts to to stay in our minds and in our thoughts is still a sin. And during Sunday school this morning, we talked about what defiles a person, what defiles you. And I told them, I said, I've been on vacation all week, and I've taken in and taken in. And I said, you're on vacation, you don't eat like you normally do. You just, it's not even, it's not even fun to eat normal on vacation. I mean, you're supposed to eat at least two or three desserts every night. I mean, you don't go eat a meal without eating dessert. You eat ice cream, you eat cake, you eat all kinds of stuff. There goes my daughter running around. But that don't defile who I am. It don't, don't make me the person I am. It's just, that's just the way it is. But what comes out defiles who you are, and that comes from the heart of what, of what we take in. Food doesn't defile who I am. I can eat all I want until I'm stuffed on vacation, but that, don't, that just makes me, I guess, a fat, even more fatter than I already am. It just makes me a fat person. It don't really decide. People don't say, well, he's just a bad person for how much he ate on vacation. It, it don't work that way. This man admitted he had a problem in the beginning. Number two, he had to admit that he couldn't heal himself. And uh, one of the main reasons our own personal sin is so hard to get rid of is because we just won't admit it. We won't admit that we have a problem with sin. And the simple truth is we do. And uh, one thing that I really don't like doing is if I think I'm getting sick, I just don't like going to the doctor. And I, I think I can heal myself. So what do I do? If I get a scratchy throat or something, I go to the medicine cabinet. And we, we have nothing for sore throat in the medicine cabinet. But if I see something that says pain reliever, I'm like, yeah, this will work. This will get rid of the sore throat. And you, you take something and... The next day, your throat's even worse. Now you got a runny nose. Now you got a, a headache built up from all this pressure. And what you thought would help cure yourself has really just made you worse. And then what could have been a two or three day common cold turns into a two or three week long flu or something. He admitted he couldn't heal himself. And the sin works the same way with it like our sickness. If we, we get so wrapped up in our sin that we think two or three days won't hurt us. Two or three days turns into two or three weeks, turns into two or three months, turns into two or three years. And the sad part, it turns into possibly two or three generations of sin that we pass down to our children. Number three is he has to admit that only Jesus can heal him. 
Leprosy, one of the most dreaded diseases in Jesus' day, probably the most. And uh, it's a disease where there was no cure. You couldn't go to the, your local Walgreens or your local CVS and get medicine. It was an uncurable disease that only Jesus could heal. And that's what brings the, the man to Jesus in the beginning. And our problem is we, won't, we want to get better. We're, we've been doing this, <clears throat> I don't even know what kind of class it's been called on Sunday mornings with the the mix between the teens and the college class and Tanner and Holly's been leading it. And Holly, I remember her saying in one of the sessions, she said the problem with people is they, they don't want to go to church until they get their self fixed. And it don't work that way because we're not going to get ourselves fixed until we, until we go to church. And I think, I think we're some of the same way. We, we don't want to, we don't want to try to deal with our sin or let Jesus deal with our sin, or let anybody else try to deal with our sin until we try to fix it ourselves, and, and Jesus is the only one who can fix that. <clears throat> only Jesus has the power to make us clean and to make us clean, and he says he will. And that's what I want to point out in this first passage, verse 3, I think it is. It says, And Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He said, I will. So the man comes to him. It says, Lord, if thou will, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will. So in my opinion, when I read this, there's no, there's no hesitation between when the leper, the leper man asks Jesus and Jesus heals him. There's no, there's no hesitation. Jesus says, I will. What do you need tonight that you need Jesus to say, I will? I will make you clean. I will make you whole. And um, we're going to keep reading. Verse 5, it says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou <coughs> should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Verse 9, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And I say to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel, and I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the satyrian, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Two times here we see Jesus say, I will. And I think that's a, <clears throat> I think a lot of us here tonight, usually your Sunday night crowd is your good, faithful crowd. But I have no doubt that there's probably people in here that bring stuff to Jesus with lack of faith. And the first passage we see sin play a role. But we also see faith play a role, too. It's like a hidden little, I was thinking faith was only in the second part, verses 5 through 13, but the leper had to have faith, too. 
to come to Jesus. And he says, I know you can. And Jesus says, yeah, and I will. And then the centurion, he comes and the servant. And he said, Jesus first says, I'm, I'll, I'll, come, I'll come and heal. And the centurion says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, listen. He said, I got people under me. And he basically says, if you, he's almost saying, if you come, it might just make things worse. But if you'll just speak it, if you'll just speak it. And that's, that's the power that Jesus has to speak and people be healed, a servant be healed. The centurion had enough faith that Jesus would heal his servant exactly where he was at in that, in that time. And um, I think it's neat that it says, uh, verse 10, it says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled. I told you my sermon was, Has Jesus marveled at your faith? He says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said it to them that followed. So we have to picture this. The centurion, Jesus says in the beginning of this passage, he comes down off the mountains and he's got his followers. People are following him, going where Jesus is going. The centurion came to him. So he has to turn, I think, from the centurion to tell his people that's following that this guy has got it going on. This guy, I am marveled at this guy's faith. So I think when Jesus had crowds following him, he did teachings and, and sayings, and he, he just taught all day long when people followed him. <clears throat> and it was like Jesus turning to this interior and saying, see, this guy's got it figured out. This guy knows exactly because he has come to me in faith, and he knows that I have faith to speak from where I'm at now. And I can promise you that if you speak to Jesus now and have faith He's going he's gonna to say, I will. I will fix your problems. And I like to just, when I read these scriptures in, in the Bible, I like to think of, uh, I like to think, like, man, what it had been like to be there. Like, I wonder how this story really played out. I wonder how this story really went down. And so I can just imagine it like this. The centurion, it says, uh, he went back home in the self-same hour the guy was healed. But I can almost... I can almost bet that when he got back home that his servant was probably already healed. And it didn't tell us how far away he lived. It didn't tell us how long it took him to get He might have got home in five minutes. He might have got home in five hours. But I can almost picture this centurion going back to his house, going to his servant that was sick that he had just went and requested prayer for and saying, man, you're not going to believe what just happened. Like I was out on the road and I ran into Jesus and I found him and I can almost just picture the servant just sitting there smiling like I already know what's happened and the centurion just continues to tell a story like I, I had enough faith and Jesus said he was going to heal you from where he was at and then I think it probably just clicked like you're already healed like he is healed that's the power that Jesus has so what do you have tonight that you need Jesus to say I will is it Marriage problems? Is it financial problems? Is it work problems? Is it church problems? Is it friendship problems? There's things tonight that we can bring to God and he'll simply just say, I will. But we gotta have faith. The first guy was a leper, sinner. We're all sinners. I don't think Jesus met anybody in the Bible that wasn't a sinner. So you have to keep that in mind. Everybody that came to Jesus was a sinner because Jesus was the only perfect one. So he knew the first guy had problems. And he said, I, I can take care of that. You come to Jesus tonight and you say, well, I got this problem.
But if you come and you say it like, well, I don't really, I don't know, Jesus, like, this is a pretty big task. I think Jesus is going to say, you're going to need a little bit more faith than that. But if we come to Jesus knowing that we have faith, that he can heal no matter what it is that we bring forth, he's not going to hesitate. He's going to say, I will. I will do this. I will do that. I will take care of your children. I will take care of your family. I will take care of your financial situation. I will take care of, of your church. Just keep trusting in me. Keep having faith. So my challenge for you tonight, we're not even going to have an altar call or a song. I'm just going to close with some prayer. We're going to be dismissed. I want you to just think of what you need Jesus to say I will to tonight because we all got something. And I could sit here and name sin after sin after sin that holds our faith back. And eventually I'd probably name something that you're struggling with. But you know, I don't know. Nobody in this room knows. But what is it tonight that you need Jesus to say, yes, I will? Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we just, uh, we're just in awe of your goodness and your mercy and your power that we see in your word. And Lord, we got, we got people from our very church that's in Israel right now just <clears throat> walking the same footsteps that you, that you walked and seeing some of these same places that you did some of these healings and some of these teachings in. And Lord, what their eyes are seeing over these 10 days that they're in Israel, Lord, we, we can't imagine. We've never been there, but one day our eyes are going to see you face to face. And, and we're going to be in awe of everything you've done. And we're going to bow at your feet and we're going to give you praise and honor and glory for, for who you are and what you did. And Lord, we just thank you for <clears throat> our church and uh, these families in it, each family represented, the ones that can't be here. Lord, I pray for the ones that can't be here that just absolutely would give anything to be here, whether it's health reasons or what's holding them back. And I, I pray for the ones that can be here and it's not here. Lord, you know each and every reason. Lord, I pray for, for each prayer request, each family here tonight. Lord, we just lift them up to you. We just ask that you be with us as we depart from here, that you would just um, give us the strength, the wisdom, the guidance to, to love you each and every day to grow closer to you, to have a relationship with you, to daily be in conversation with you and to daily be in your word. Lord, we give this service to you and we just love you and thank you. And most of all, we just uh, we thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.